Well, Ramp Church, I'm excited to, um, to share with you kind of along the same theme of what Joe preached a couple weeks ago. Now, if you remember, Joe preached a message on rebooting and taking. Um, he had this incredible little handout for us to work through in, in our own quiet times throughout the week that led us through reflecting you know, what needs to change, where am I headed, and then repenting, and then um, rebooting. And uh, the purpose of, you know, and he even used a, a phone as an example, like when you reset something, um, the purpose isn't just to reset it, it's, it's reset, it's reboot for future use. And there's a purpose for us even, not just as individuals, but as a collective community of brothers and sisters in Christ to take this little last leg of lockdown and to corporately reflect and continue to do that personally and repent and turn where we need to change directions and then reboot. Why? Because there's more that God has for us. And we don't want to just reboot to reboot, but we want to reboot so that we can function as God intended us to function, uh, with fuel in the tank, with, with divine inspiration, with divine direction, and that we are as one body moving forward in the will of God for us. So I want to continue that topic of rebooting for full service to God. And I want to talk to us, not just as individuals spread throughout this city, but I want to talk to us as a collective community, that if you're called to ramp church, then it doesn't just mean you're one individual serving God, but it means there's a corporate assignment that you are fueling. There's a mission that you're a part of that's bigger than us. And we have these individual purposes that need to be alive and functioning. But how do we best function individually? It's when we're joined together as a united body. My finger functions best when it's joined to the rest of the body. It finds its full purpose when it's joined to the rest of the body. My head functions best when it's not just being a head, but it's joined to a body bigger than itself. And this is how we as saints function best. It's when we are united with like what Paul used to pray, one purpose, one mind, one heart serving the Lord Jesus. And as I've been praying for us and even reflecting on my own life individually and then praying for us as a corporate community, I've been thinking, well, Lord, I want us to, I want us as a community to be rebooted for the use that you have for us in this next season, the mission that you have for us in this next season. And I know that as lockdown lifts, that you, like me, you know, you're probably starting um, with kids in, back in school and maybe holiday restrictions and options, you, even though to go outside and to be around people again, that you have, again, you have options now. Where we were in a lockdown, where it's like a lot of our options were taken away. And, and that was in many ways refreshing. You didn't have to decide every weekend what you were going to do. You were going to stay home. And you were going to sit on the sofa. <laughs> and there was a higher power that made a lot of decisions for us. But now as lockdown lifts, we are again re-entering into this, oh, we've got a lot of decisions to make. We're going to have decisions about how we spend our time. And we're going to have more choices about where we are on certain days and where we are putting our money. Like we could go to a coffee shop. Now we have that choice. And so as choices come, 
I want us to be reset and reminded of just some of the amazing prayers and things that we learn right here in this book about living our lives wisely. Now, as decisions and choices start flooding you, as you begin to have options, as your social life gets resurrected, perhaps, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm still having fun with people. Zoom has turned out to be miraculous. You can actually still connect with people on Zoom. Um, Some of you have yet to discover that. I see you, and I'm calling you out, and I'm telling you, friendships can still happen. The hungry will always get fed. But I wanted to um, share with you first Ephesians 5.10. I didn't give all these verses to them, but... As you're resetting, as we're rebooting, these are the verses that I've been praying for us. Um, They're admonitions from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And he's talking in Ephesians 5 verse 10. He says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And as a church community, I'm praying that we can, as we reset, as we re-enter into um, perhaps a more liberated life with more options, that we are still careful about the way we live. And that we are intentional in aligning things so that we are headed in the direction that God wants us as his church, as his plan to reveal his kingdom on this earth is the church, the spirit of God dwelling in the church, revealing to the world around us. And um, let's look at First Kings, First Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to start in verse 8. I can feel sometimes even the hesitation in my own heart about life like opening up again. I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to be, you know, super busy. I don't want to be spent. I don't want to know. I don't want my life to be like a crazy rat race. And maybe you feel that way. You can feel some things starting to lift and you're like, no, I've loved being a little hermit in this house with nothing to do except, you know, the things I do at home. And and you can feel maybe a demand that's starting to be placed on you and uh, you can see it coming. And then some of you are like, you're dreading that. And I want to address kind of that fear. The fear of the future, the fear, the demand that that future may put on you and encourage you this morning as I've prayed for Ramp Church, I can see, you know, all of us separately, I can see us corporately. And what I have really felt impressed to pray is that we would be a people that would lift reservations when it comes to serving God. And I have reservations in my own heart sometimes. And so we're going to talk about how to give to God, how to reboot. And in this reboot and this reset, we need to deal with some fear so we can give God what he's asking of us in this next season. So let's look at um, 1 Kings 17, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, the prophet, go and live in the village of Zarephath, Near the city of Sidon, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? 
And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear, now is this not a typical interaction of a male and a, and a female? <laughs> In many ways, you just hear, bring me a little bite of bread too. I swear by the Lord, your God, that I do not have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal so then my son and I can die. You can sense the despair and the almost like, I don't know, when I read it, I put myself in the story and I'm thinking, okay, I can see there's a little bit of sass. If I'm talking to this prophet who is a prophet and he's just asked me for my last meal, I'm thinking, I don't have what you're looking at, what you're looking for, and how, you dare, how dare you even ask me? Like, you're crossing a boundary even to ask a widow for something to eat in a season of famine. And... So here God is instructed this widow, but maybe the Lord, maybe the Lord did instruct her, but she didn't even know that she was being instructed. So the widow says this, and then, but Elijah said to her in verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. Say, there was always enough. Hallelujah, Selah, write that, put that on your wall. There was always enough. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. And you know, Ramp Church, I think what I love about this, first of all, is how it breaks, is our, bo- it breaks our box a little bit of, of God. Because sometimes we are fearful, we're fearful, but we're also miss, we also don't know God quite well enough. We don't think God would ask us of anything when we feel like we have a need. Well, I don't think God would ask me to volunteer. I'm already tired. I don't think God would ask me to give any money because I don't make a lot of money. I don't think God would ask me to share my faith because I'm still new to faith. And we have these preconceived ideas of who God asks that are completely unbiblical. Completely unbiblical. And I want to first break that kind of conception that God respects our boundaries. That God doesn't show up in the midst of our famine and ask us to give him something. And I also want to break that misconception that when he asks of something, he's being cruel and inconsiderate. He asks needy people of something because he wants to bless needy people. He asks us to give him something when we don't have anything to give because he wants to multiply for us. But he responds to faith 
He responds to our obedience. Sometimes faith is not a feeling. It's simply an act of obedience. It is not this feeling. Faith is not always this feeling of overwhelming revelation that God's about to blow the roof off with oil and bread. It is sometimes an act. Okay, Elijah, you want bread? I'm going to go make bread. Sometimes that's faith. And God wants to respond and bless us. But he wants a little something, just a mustard seed size of faith. And I first want to say, Ramp Church, I know it's a tough season. Everybody has burdens that we are all bearing. But I want to say I feel God asking us for more. And that excites me. Because if God's putting a demand on us, then God's about to blow our mind with some miracles. God is about to show up in the midst and he's about to multiply and show us that he is who he said he is. You know, I, I feel two different like responses when I think, oh, God's putting a demand on. You can feel kind of stress and fear, which we're going to talk about. You can feel this kind of like, oh gosh, Okay. Let's like gird up, grit our teeth, bear it, take up our cross, and let's pay this price. Or you can take that call, that demand that God puts on us in seasons where we are maybe not expecting a demand. And we can flip it in my mind, in my head. I can think, whoa, he must think pretty highly of me that he would ask something of me. He must think pretty highly of me if he's going to ask something of me. And I want us as a faith community to just travel down this path of let's reboot for reuse. Let's, let's figure out that as a collective community, we're headed in the right direction for why God has put us here as a church. Why are we here as a church? We're going to be talking about that and unpacking that over the next few weeks in this missional life but we want, we want to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page. We exist for God and for his glory. And sometimes, I know like you, it's like in, in my heart, like you, you want to please God. You ramp church, I know you, you want to live your life from the end backwards, giving God what he's worthy of. But then you've got these floods of decisions. Well, should your kid, you know, like my, um, one of my girls, you know, said she wanted to do this, this new, like, hobby thing. And so I was thinking about that. I was thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I want to support you in your hobby. I want you to know, be a good mom. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's going to take so much time for me to do that hobby for you. And I love you. And I want to do it. But then, Lord, is that you feel that love. You know this. Love always has a demand. Love is willing to be inconvenienced. But then sometimes, like you, you guys, you've, been, you've, you've hit rock bottom. You've been empty. And then you've fallen apart. And you're like, no, I never want to do that again. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to be empty. And I want to talk about that fear. But first, let's just, first, let's take our hearts as a collective community, as our individual little hearts, and let's kind of just objectify them like Joe was saying. Let's just put them out there to observe. And let's reflect. 
And first thing you want to reflect on is what really is your desire in this season, in this next season? What desires are in your heart? Okay? Because your desire always determines your direction. The desires in your heart are dictating your course direction. And you're actually not a victim of your life. Believe it or not, a lot of the life that you have is the life your desires have chosen for you. You're not a slave, a victim to your schedule. Believe it or not, you actually do have some control over your schedule. You're making choices. So what's behind those choices that you're making? Your desires. Proverbs 4. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So what do you do if you're pulling on this thread of desire? You know, so let's say your kid's club or maybe this hobby that you've got, you're really passionate about. What, this is what I do. I'm going to pull that thread. I'm going to take that little desire and I'm going to keep pulling it. I'm going to keep pulling it until I get to the bottom line of that desire. And is the bottom line, is the end of that desire have to do with my selfish ambition, my fear of losing control, my wanting to be in charge? Who's, who's at the end of that thread? Is Stacy Reeser at the end of that thread? Or is God's glory and purpose at the end of that thread? And it takes discernment and the Holy Spirit's help to discern that. That's why Paul says, carefully determine, try to know what the will of God is. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. So you've got to get to the bottom. So you want this thing, pull on it. What's at the bottom of it? Is it your comfort? Are you at the very bottom of that desire? Your financial future, decisions you're making, pulling. I was pulling on that thread the other day about something I felt the Lord had to do. Ask me, pulling, pulling, pulling. And I pulled on it. You know what I found at the bottom of that thread? I found, well, Stacy feels like she's a better manager of her money than God is. Stacy thinks she can be better in control than God can. So she's going to do things her way. And when we are in control, we are ultimately saying, Lord, I'm a bit better to make the call on that than you. If I'm in control, then I'm the manager. And, and Lord, I, I think I'm a better discerner of where my financial future will be 70 years from now than you are. So control was at the bottom of my thread. And I'm asking us, Ramp Church, get to the bottom of that desire. Just as Joe is instructing us, dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper. I know you've got a gift. I know you want to use it. What's at the bottom of that desire? I know you've got financial needs. I know you need that pay raise. I know that job is good for you. But if you stayed, what, what's at the very bottom of that paycheck for you? And desire will determine our direction. So, what do you do if you're digging and you find a lot of selfish desires? Been there, was there yesterday, was probably there the day before, and was probably there the day before that. Because why? Because we're called to decide, we're called as disciples daily, Jesus said. We take up our cross, we lay aside our selfish ambition, we deny ourselves, and we follow Him. Nobody's exempt or above that call. 
every disciple has to lay aside selfish ambition. Every disciple has to deny themselves. Every disciple gets a cross. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a one time lay your lay yourself down and then you're good for the rest of your life. That's why these seasons of reset and reboot and reflecting and repenting are so important. That's why daily life with Christ is so important because we're swimming upstream. We're swimming against a culture that has the bottom line self, man-made self, independent self. But we're walking in a different kingdom, living a different way. And we have to have these chiropractic adjustments. So what do you do when you're pulling this thread and you realize, well, Gosh, I think a lot of my ambition is really about me having a need to feel successful. Or gosh, I feel like a lot of my financial decisions are really about me feeling secure. Or all these things. If, if you feel like you, you are repenting, now you have to repent. How do you redirect them? And so the, this is what I want you to do. First, I want you to discover your real heart's desire. Okay, we're going to reboot for future use. First, we're going to discover the real desire. What's the desire? Underneath the desire. Underneath the desire. Underneath the desire. And in prayer, let the Holy Spirit show you. And where there needs to be an adjustment, I want you to direct your heart's desire. Now, again, I know like you, like me, sometimes we feel like we are completely out of control when it comes to our desires. I don't know about you, I can remember being like a 13-year-old girl at the church youth altar call, and I was like, Lord, take this desire for this boy out of my heart. And you just want God to like, like surgically remove the desire so you don't have it anymore. Sometimes we have to continue forward in Christ, letting him sanctify our desires as we walk forward. And then sometimes we, we just have to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. He gives us the treasure principle. He says, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want your heart to be in a different place, if you want your heart to be more in God's kingdom, if you want your heart to be more after the big eternal plan and purposes of God, if you want your heart to be more in the presence of Jesus, then you intentionally start to put your treasure there. You want a heart for missions? Start giving money to missions. You want a heart for missions? Start showing up in your local church where there's a mission need. You want a heart for the kingdom of God? Don't wait to be struck with some sort of inspiration. Direct your desire by investing your treasure, your time, your talent. You want to get to the end of your life. and You want to look back and you want to say, I used my talent for the glory of God. I used my time for the glory of God. I used the direction of my life. Wasn't perfect, but it was consistently in this direction of the kingdom of God and Jesus being revealed on the earth through my time, through my talents, through my money. How do I do that? I just intentionally start investing. I'm going to use my talent for the glory of God. I'm going to use my time. I'm going to start investing my time. 
And some of you are like, well, that'd be great, but I do have to pay job. You know, I've got to, kids to feed and I've got things to, that I have to do that are really outside of my control. And again, I want to tell you, control what you can control. And trust God with what you can't control. But remember as well that your whole life is sacred. Everything you do for God can be sacred. And see, this is important, again, because sometimes I hear young people tell me that they're in a season where they have to focus on uni, or they're in a season where they've had a new baby, so they can't give back to God because they've got this other thing that is requiring something of you. And my, my objection to that is every season, well, first of all, I agree, every season has different assignments, but no season of your life is meant to withhold from God. And no season of your life is an assignment meant to become your God. See, you may have an assignment to go to university, and you may have an assignment to raise up godly children, but no season warrants that assignment taking the place of God, getting all of your treasure in the place of God. And I would also like to say, welcome to the real world. Welcome to being an adult. Welcome to sacrificial service for Christ. Some of you think that volunteers and ministers don't have any other responsibilities, that God clears their plate so they can volunteer and serve God. And you don't understand that any act of love requires sacrifice. Any answer to any call requires a willingness to say no to other things and say yes to this. The people here, yes, called by God. God has callings. God has assignments. But no matter what season you're in, just like any relationship, it'll take sacrifice. There's not a season of life in a genuine relationship where you can say to the other party in the relationship, oh, I'm sorry, I've got this going on, so I can't sacrifice for you right now. So no matter what season, be it a famine, be it a widow about to die, be it another widow with Elisha, who was also in a very hard situation with debtors knocking on her door, debt collectors knocking on her door, and God asking, bring me some vessels. I want us to redirect our desires, start investing our time, our treasure, where God wants us to, so we can continue moving forward in the purpose of God. But in order to do that, what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to get rid of some of this fear. So what did Elijah the prophet say to the widow? He said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And if we're withholding, I feel like as a community we're withholding, even my own self, if I'm withholding from God, it's this fear holding me back that maybe I don't have what it takes. Moses. God, please send somebody else. I can't speak. Gideon, I'm the least of the least of the least of the tribe. God is not afraid of our incompetency. And that has not hindered him from asking before. And so some of you are going to have to lay down this fear of incompetency, of inadequacy. And some of you are going to have to lay down this fear of suffering, 
well, I've served before and I've done ministry before. I've, I've, I've talked to one of, a minister that I'm very close to and she was used powerfully by God and she got hurt in the church and she has all these giftings still in her, but she's not serving the Lord. She's not serving the church anymore. And I said, do you ever, do you ever just want to get back? And you're still got such an anointing on your life for this. She says, honey, I'd never put my hand back in that fire. I don't want to get hurt again. And we do, we have, sometimes we have this fear. I know what it's like. We're afraid to suffer. I mean, church leadership. Oh my gosh, when God was calling us here to pastor and I was thinking of all the pastors I know and the horror stories, fear of suffering could have shut me down. But we have to reframe the suffering and remember that part of our assignment, our goal is actually to share in the sufferings of Christ. So that we can share in his glory. Paul says death works in me so that then life can work in you. We cannot be afraid of being hurt. Even the prophets, they say, he who wounds us will also heal us. This fear of, well, what happens? Or what if my kids get hurt? What if my kids, what if this is? We have to step over that fear. And saying, Lord, we're going to trust you. If the worst happens, we know you'll be there right at the point. It's the worst. And you'll give us what we need to heal and recover. I'm not going to fear being hurt. You're going to be hurt wherever you go. You work at McDonald's, you're going to get hurt, okay? You, no matter where you are or where, because you live in a broken world. You're in a war zone, So don't let fear of pain and suffering keep you from holding back and withholding from God. Some of you fear unfruitfulness. This is probably one area where I feel like, oh Lord, it's not going to be fruitful. I want a hundredfold fruit. And I don't want to do something that doesn't appear to be fruitful, right? But then I think about Ezekiel. And the Lord's saying to him, I want you to go prophesy to this people and they're not going to listen to you. And then they're going to rebel against you and they're not going to hear anything they say because they're stubborn people and they actually are deaf and they can't hear. Now, Ezekiel, go prophesy to them. Or Isaiah, Isaiah 49. Oh, I love this. Maybe I'll just have to read this to you right now. This so powerful because some of you are holding back on God because you don't feel like you've got a guarantee that it's going to be amazingly fruitful, that people are going to plot and be like, oh, look at you, you fruitful vine of the Lord. And you're holding out on God because you don't have the end result. And you've got to lay that fear down. Because like Joe said, you're only responsible for obedience. God's responsible for outcome. You're responsible for obedience. Isaiah 49 verse 4. I replied to the Lord. Isaiah replied, but my work seems so useless. Isaiah, Isaiah, one of the major prophets made it in the book. Isaiah says to the Lord about the work that he's called to. My work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Isaiah said what he was doing had no purpose. Isn't that mind-blowing? Yet, I leave it all in the Lord's hands. I will trust God for my reward. Some of you have to get over this fear of it not being fruitful. I need to obey the word of the Lord and not withhold. And some of you have maybe a fear, not just of, um, you know, your fear of, like I said, your fear of failure, your fear, you'll try it and you'll fall 
And sometimes what I, what I think is, well, I know God wants my obedience, but I also know God's committed to me in this process. And sometimes you have to tell yourself, I'm going to step out for God. If I don't get the outcome I wanted, I'm going to get the lesson I needed. And in stepping out for God, you're going to get the outcome that you wanted or the lesson that you needed. So for me personally, when I'm here in Manchester, I think, okay, it's going to go two ways. God, I'm either going to get the revival that I wanted or I'm going to get the lesson about revival that I obviously needed. We want to be radically obedient, moving in the direction of radical obedience. And we've got to deal with the fear that's holding us back. Another fear. This is a big one. I've already mentioned this. It's this fear of lack, lack of energy, lack of finances. That if you give to God, you're going to be left in a pinch. Fear of burnout. Probably one of the most prevalent fears in the church world is fear of burnout. So we conserve, we reserve, we try to hold back. We want to be measured. We want to be wise. I hear you. I want that too. I certainly don't want to have a nervous breakdown and burnout. Whoever does. Whoever signs up for ministry and says, yeah, at 50, I'm going to crash and burn. It's going to take me a few years to recover. And then maybe I'll get back on the wagon. Nobody goes out like that. So we have to have wisdom. But wisdom can sometimes be a mask for withholding. For self-preservation. We then become in charge of our own resources. We have to manage our own resources, which is true. You're responsible for your boundaries. You're responsible to let other people know your boundaries. But again, boundaries don't exist to exempt you from serving and loving. Boundaries exist to make sure you're serving and loving well. The point of boundaries is not so you can flash your boundary whenever you don't feel like doing something. The, the point of boundaries is you know the realm that God's called you to. So the other, the other week, Joe and I had an incredible opportunity to do something that we really wanted to do. But the demand on it was going to be very time-consuming. And we already had committed to be pastors of Ramp Church and to be parents. So we had to decline, not because we didn't want to serve and love, but because we need to serve and love well at Ramp Church and in our kids' lives. So boundaries exist so that you can serve and love well, not to exempt you from serving and loving. So this fear, I want to read some verses now, okay, to deal with this. Hang with me because Ramp Church, when I think about going back and when I think about what God has for us, I hear this. I hear freely you have received, freely give. And this fear that's holding us back from this wholehearted yes to God, it has got to go. In my own life, it has got to go. No reservation. I don't want any reservation. Whatever he wants, no matter the season, I want to give him a yes. Whatever he needs in his body right now, I want to, I want to be right up in the middle of what he's doing. So let's look at some of these truths to set us free. Because we know Jesus said the truth will set us free. Are you hungry? Do you want to be free? Do you want to move forward in what God has for us? Are you there? Are you alive? Matthew, 7, Matthew 19, 27 through 29. 
Jesus just said it's impossible for man to be saved. And Peter feels a bit concerned. And he says, but we've left everything to follow you. We've left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to him, said to them, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on the glorious throne, you have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. God gives to those who give. That's one of the truths to set us free in this season, Ramp Church. God gives to those who give. Isaiah 58. I want to read this to you. Isaiah 58. No, this is the kind of fasting I want, starting in verse 6. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten those, lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. That sounds like pretty demanding existence. (laughs) Did you catch all that? Whoa, God's putting a demand on his people. Okay, and then he says, then, then, as in after, as in in response, as in do that, and then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. So you want us to operate in serving even when we have wounds? Do this, and then your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. It's amazing when you start spending yourself for the kingdom of God, the breakthroughs that you begin to receive. Remove the heavy yoke. Stop pointing the finger. Stop spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry. Oh, we don't have to fear being dry or empty or exhausted or burned out. We don't have to fear it. We don't have to fear what everyone else fears is what the Lord told Isaiah in Isaiah 8. He says, then when you're empty, I will fill you. You will be like well-watered, like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring, restoring your strength, giving you water when you are dry. The Lord gives to those who give. The Lord wants to give to us. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill us so we can be poured out. He wants to fill you, Ramp Church. He wants you to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. So I I feel the Lord putting a demand on us now that we have our indefinite leave to remain and We're going to hopefully be able to start picking up the adoption process and continuing in this adoption process that we started about six years ago. And I know that that's going to put a demand on me. So I'm actually having to say no to some other things and cut back in some other things because I have to be able to have time in God's presence to meet that need, to fill that need. And some of you, you factor in all the serve time, but you don't factor any of the fill time. And so you're living on empty, you're exhausted and you're burned out. But for every demand, there's got to be fill time. 
There has to be space. So when you're saying yes to something, you're not, I'm not just saying yes to adoption. I'm saying yes to maybe having to cut back work hours so then I can have more time to fill up to meet that need and learn how to be filled up for pouring out. Because that's the way God works here. In filling for outpouring. In filling only exist for outpouring. And in outpouring, we receive fulfillment and purpose. And that's what God's saying in Isaiah. He's saying, listen, Israel, you're trying to serve me and you're going vertical, but you're not going horizontal. There's no demand on you in these relationships. And so you're fed up with your Christianity and it's not fulfilling you. So start serving and spending yourselves. And let me then fill you. What if God asked you to do some crazy things, Ramp Church? When when Rebecca Aladrin was praying for me the other week, she released this word. She said, I see in Ramp Church, I see a revival of yeses. A revival of yeses. I want us, Ramp Church, I want us to move the starting point in our seeking, okay? Move the starting point. I want us, and this this is what I'm saying to myself, as I've been praying about adoption, certain things God's asked me uh, financially, certain things he's asking of me personally, I feel like my starting point is sometimes I'm going to pray about it. I'm starting at no, and through seeking, God's going to move me to yes. But then I hear Jesus saying to his disciples, freely you have received, now freely give. I hear the wisdom of Solomon saying, there are those who give, who get even more, but the stingy come to poverty. And what I'm hearing even the Lord saying to us is he does want to do a revival of yeses. And what does that mean? Let's let the starting point move, Ramp Church. Let's let it start at yes. And let him move us to no. Instead of always starting with no and having him move us to yes. I want to read to you some of the things. Sometimes I do this little what if test on my own heart. Because you're right, it's hard. It is hard. There's grace for it, but it's still a cross. Salvation is free, but purpose is costly. Purpose costs Jesus' very life. Purpose costs the martyrs their life to release the gospel. And so I want us to do a little heart test. What would you give if you knew God would refill you? What would you give if you weren't afraid of lack? I'm going to give you some examples of some people that I know personally from the States who've done some radical things. What would you do if God asked you to remortgage your house so you can give more greatly to his kingdom? What would you do if God asked you to change careers, take a drastic pay cut, and move to a charity to serve. And what would you do if in seasons of serving at that charity, they couldn't pay you? What would you do if the Lord asked you to go get your PhD and then not write a book, but go serve in the slums in a foreign country? What would you do if he asked you to cut expenses like Netflix, kids clubs, nights outs, coffee, shopping, to give extra to God? What would you do if he asked you to give your holiday fund to a church building program? These are all things that have been asked of friends of mine 
They've confided in us, in our community. I'm, I like to test my heart and see if I'm willing where I'm at. What would you ask? What would you do if God asked you to raise a child and then that child was gonna spend their life as an adult in a foreign mission field where there would be no obvious fruit and their life would end in martyrdom? Now that's not my story, that's Jim Elliott's story. His family wanted him to stay and he went and they suffered because of it. But what a glorious, glorious fruit was born from his life. Parents, what if the Lord asked of you something that you weren't able to give your kids, kids clubs and the best education, but you gave them love and you raised them up and then sent them off and weren't able to see them again because they were so far away. What would you do if the Lord asked you to set a prayer meeting, start a prayer meeting at your school during lunch? What would you do if your life here on earth wasn't ever seemingly fruitful, but was more along the lines of Hebrews 11, where they died still believing and then they passed the baton to the next generation? What if God's asking you of something that is a demand in your famine, in your circumstances? Can we have a revival of yeses? Can we be a yes people to God? Is everything he asks of us going to require a fast and weeks of prayer? Or can he mature us to the point where he can ask something radical of us and we're already there. We're already living from yes. We are already there. We are already giving up everything to follow him. If we want to see God move in greater ways, Ramp Church, there's something that's going to be demanded of us. And you don't have to give it. Oh, no. No, you don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to follow Jesus. Let's be clear about that. Nobody's making you serve Jesus. Nobody's making you give money. Nobody's making you volunteer. Nobody's making you pray. Nobody is going to make you do that. And there were people that Jesus called and they said, oh, I'm sorry, I just bought a field. Oh, I'm sorry, I just got married. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't come because I'm tied up here on earth. And Jesus let them go. But for those who followed him, he gave eternal abundant life. To those who followed him, he gave glory. To those who followed him, they saw the glory of God. Let us reflect and repent on these desires, Ramp Church. And let I'm calling out, I'm calling out to all the people, calling out to all the people who want to give a little more to God. I'm calling out to all the people like me who, Lord, I want you to take the restraints off. I want you at the bottom of every desire. I want you as the bottom line to every desire, God. And Lord, bring us together. Call us and bring us together and bring a revival of yeses. Break off this fear of burnout, this fear of exhaustion, this self-preservation. Break it off of us, Jesus. Break off this withholding from God, this measured response to God, this measured approach to serving God. Break it off of us, Jesus. Break it off of us. Break it off of us. Break it off of us, Jesus. And we want a wholehearted devotion. 
wholehearted willingness. Wholehearted willingness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I feel like for some of you, I need to just connect the dots. I need to bring it down a little bit. Because some of you don't realize that your church needs you. And you're trying to find where God needs you. We need you. We need people who are going to join along this side, this move of God, this assignment, who want to give Jesus more. Who aren't gritting their teeth, bearing it as an act of martyrdom, but who are willingly, joyfully available for God. Willing to pray, willing to do outreach, willing to show up on Sundays, willing to volunteer and watch Arlo, willing to help with things, willing to be available, willing to live with margin. So when there's a demand, you have the resources to step up. And I just want to say on behalf of Ramp Church, Lord, I want to say on behalf of Ramp Church, Lord, I want to say, Lord, on behalf of your church here, that we want to be more willing, God. We want to be more willing. Take away our fear, God, our fear of burnout, our fear of exhaustion. Line it up. Line it up, Lord. Line it up with your word. Paul saying he had sleepless nights, toiled all night, agonized in prayer, showed up to preach, preached all day, gave the hungry something to eat, praying all night, Jesus, ministering all day. Lord, we call forth those who are called to full-time ministry, lives of full-time ministry, lives of no matter where they work, no matter what their context is, they are full-time serving you receiving from you and giving to you receiving from you and giving to you receiving and giving and Lord we release ourselves we release anybody God we release those you're releasing we bless God and we say position us all for greater fruitfulness position us Lord plant us and prune us for greater fruitfulness And Ramp Church, I want the worship band to just lead us in a time. And I want you to reflect. Where is God calling you? What church community is he leading you to? What's your assignment? Has your assignment become a God? Are you serving Jesus wholeheartedly in this season? What are you withholding from him? What are you scared of? How are you self-preserving? And I want to lay it all down here before him. And I want to let his fire fall on the sacrifice of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Just create space right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And fall on the altar where the sacrifice is laid.